0: Offense, play fast. Defense, swarm, swarm and tackle, attack. We gotta out block them. We gotta out tackle them. We gotta out hit them and hustle. It's real simple. You out block them. You out tackle them. You out hit them and you out hustle. Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt.
1: All right, welcome in. It is week six of college football. This is R.J. Bell's Dream Preview, the college football edition. I'm A.J. Hoffman, joined, as I always am,
0: joined by Scott Seidenberg. Hello, Scott. How are you, friend? I feel good. I feel good. I had a a, a one best bet winner last week, one best bet loser, but I still feel good of where I'm at this college football season. Yeah, it's been
1: an up-and-down season. Last week, it was rough for us in the contest. Again, back-to-back tough weeks, so we've got to find a way to snap out of that. Um, I was 0-1-1 on the contest, or on the, uh, the, on the pod. Uh, gave out Louisville minus 3. Uh, on the contest, we went with Louisville minus 3.5, and, a half, and <laughs> 3 was the number. So that was an unfortunate thing for the contest. Push uh, for anybody who got to it when we did this show um but yeah we'll try and piece together a winner this week and we, we're going to save all our best bets for the end Scott's got two best bets on top 25 games games of note even so those mm-hmm. will get bumped back to the end my two best bets are not from top 25 games um so they will be at the end as well but what was your uh what was your biggest takeaway from the week it felt like there was some some separation. There was it feels like some teams have been eliminated, if you will. <laughs> uh, and obviously, like one of the bigger stories was what happened at the end of the Duke Notre Dame game where it I mean, it, it switched so fast from Duke was going to win the game mm-hmm. to Duke season is over. It, it, it's pretty,
0: pretty terrible deal for for Duke and Riley Leonard. Yeah, he's dealing with a high ankle sprain. Um, my biggest takeaway from the week is probably uh, USC's defense is a real problem. Nothing that we didn't what? know already. I know, but but that's it's like it's a significant issue. Um, I still think that. Penn State is underrated. I know they struggled in the first half, but they dominated that second half. And everyone's talking about Michigan and Ohio State. I think Penn State is being significantly overlooked in this Big Ten. And it wouldn't surprise me if they wind up pulling an upset over one of those teams. And Georgia. Georgia is not overwhelmingly the best team in the country. They are number one because of history, but they are a very beatable team this season. Uh, Agreed completely. Um, I think USC and LSU
1: kind of go in the same boat as teams who their offense looks like championship level and their defense is nowhere close to it. And if that's the way you play defense, I I mean, you're not going to win a championship. You're just not. And so I I don't know what USC can do to fix it. I mean, it's too late for LSU, I think, with two losses. But USC still undefeated, but I I don't think that they have any shot at winning. I don't know. They can win the Pac-12 with that defense. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. um, definitely something to watch. All right, let's jump into the games, and we'll start with Ohio State, who is laying 20 at home to Maryland. Undefeated Maryland. Total in this game, 58. Um, This game should kind of let us know where Maryland stands. for a team that's played three power 5 teams it's hard to say that they've really they're really battle tested you know um but however you look at it this is by far their toughest opponent uh the question is how how ready is this or how reliable is this Maryland defense i think Talia Tagovailoa and the offense are they're solid but there mm-hmm. has been there's not there's has not been a team yet that can push them on defense they haven't played against a good offense obviously that's going to happen now if you go back to last year's game between these two teams you look if you just look at the final score it says Ohio State won the game by 13 points if you watch that game you remember that it was a three-point game in the final minute and Ohio State kicked a field goal and then Maryland was trying to drive down and win the game fumbled it got returned for a touchdown touchdown So it went from a three-point game to a thirteen-point game in like thirty seconds. But Maryland hung with them. Now Mm -hmm. having to do it at, you know, at in Ohio State at at the horseshoe—that's a different conversation. Um, But I'm just struggling to lay a big number with a Buckeyes team that's really had one good offensive effort this season. And as much as I can say, Maryland hasn't really played anyone outside of Notre Dame, uh, who which they should have lost that game, arguably. Neither is Ohio State. So I'll, I'll probably stay away, but I, I have a pretty heavy lean to Maryland here, catching catching almost three touchdowns.
0: Yeah. Uh, how much do you maybe factor in the rest advantage for Ohio State coming into this game? Because they didn't play after the Notre Dame game. They had the week off last week.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's something. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess you always give a little credit to a team coming off a bye, but mm-hmm. This Maryland offense certainly is like a rhythm offense like it's one that I'd pr- I'd rather them not be off a bye so Ohio State yep. rested yes but I, I like the fact that Maryland's kind of just
0: in a rhythm right now, uh, particularly throwing the ball around. What concerns me about Maryland defensively is that even though the scores look good and you know their opponents are trash, but the scores yeah. look good and you think, "Oh, defensively, they're stopping everybody." It's it doesn't really tell the whole story. They're 47th in defensive efficiency. They're allowing over 200 passing yards per game, and I think Ohio State's going to be able to score against them. I don't know about the number because whenever you have a number this high, you are susceptible to a backdoor, especially with an offense as good as Maryland is. Uh, I would rather just play an Ohio State team total over. If we're being honest, the total in this game is at fifty-seven and a half. And so, if you look at just Ohio State to score a couple of touchdowns and get over their team total, I think I'd be more comfortable going that way. I, I'm, I'm confident in Ohio State's ability to score on Maryland. I'm. Ju- I just don't know if I can lay twenty points with them in this game. What don't we like about just generally the
1: over? Because it seems like we've got two teams that we feel like are going to score Maryland scored on everybody. Uh, Ohio state's going to score on this Maryland defense. I assume like, mm-hmm. what don't we like about just over 57 and a half.
0: What if Maryland does get shut down? What if Maryland only comes away with 17 points in this game is Ohio state scoring 40. Maybe, maybe they, maybe they are. Uh, and actually Ohio state's number is 38 and a half. I actually don't like that number. I thought it was going to be lower than that. Um, 38-and-a-half for Ohio State, 18-and-a-half for Maryland. Maryland's number makes sense. Ohio State at 38-and-a-half, that's a high number. Uh, I would have preferred it to be around that 35 range, so you get them to score the touchdowns, and then you'll be okay. Now you're asking <laughs> for some field goals as well, or maybe them to get 42 points in this game. Yeesh,
1: but 38-and-a-half up- th- to 18-and-a-half with a 20-point spread, that's that's about right. So, yeah, um mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I think both those teams score over those numbers. I, 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 think, I think Maryland's scoring probably three or four touchdowns here. Um, yeah, so so I, then go Maryland team total over 18 and a half. That yeah, may be the 21. way for me to look. Maybe yeah. the way for me to look. All right, let's go to the Pac-12 and we've got Washington State plus three and a half at UCLA. This is one of those uh, system plays, right? Where you've got an unranked a uh, team <laughs> that is favored over the ranked team. Um, Washington state ranked catching three and a half points total here. 59. I think you've got a stronger take on this than I do.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, the system might work in college basketball. <laughs> I don't know how much it works in college football. Here's what I can tell you about this game. The underdog is on a six and O ATS run in the Washington, UC Washington State, UCLA games, the dog in this rivalry has won six straight games. Let's even go back further 10 of the last 12, 12 of the last 15. The underdog has covered between Washington State and UCLA. Wazoo is the number one third down offense in the country. And if UCLA can't get him off the field, I don't know how they're going to stop him. Uh, I like what I've seen from Ward this season. I, I know UCLA is capable of scoring; their offense looks good, but not against Utah. And what did we see Washington State just do to uh, th- this uh, this Oregon State team? Thirty eight points they put up on them, you know. And and Oregon State is is a team that just handled Utah twenty one to seven. So I, I have Washington State in this game. I'll gladly take the points. I think all those games you just mentioned,
1: the uh, Utah versus Oregon State, the uh, Utah versus UCLA, Oregon State, Washington State, all the things you mentioned were home team dominance. And home team Mm. home field means so much in this Pac-12 and not that UCLA has an extremely good home field. I don't think they do. This is a noon kickoff at the Rose Bowl. It's it's not going to be fault. No, it's it's not. It's not a great home field advantage, but it is travel for Washington State. And I think UCLA, like, they couldn't get any offense going against Utah, but that's at Utah where everyone struggles, and a mm-hmm, freshman mm-hmm. quarterback was certainly going to struggle. If you go back to the beginning of the season, I was high on this UCLA team, and I didn't even realize just how good uh, Moore was going to be yet. So, I like – I like UCLA here. I don't want to lay three and a half because I think Washington state's just a better team. Uh, if this would have been plus two and a half, I am certainly on UCLA here. Um, but I also, I, I just don't know if I can trust Wazoo away from home. Mm-hmm. I, I leaned against them when they were hosting Oregon state and they got a clean win. They're, they're absolutely legit, but uh, on the road laying more than a field goal or a c- catch in or excuse me, laying just over a field goal or catching just over a field goal. I I think I'm going to, I'm going to end up passing this game. I wanted UCLA at open. There's nothing for me here.
0: Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm glad to take more than a field goal here. So yeah, it makes sense. All right. Let's look at the ACC.
1: Oh, Virginia tech gross plus 23 and a half at Florida state. So Virginia tech's coming off a win over Pitt. Their first Mm -hmm. win in 10 games against Power 5 competition, Pitt is absolutely dreadful. They were missing three offensive starters on the line, uh, and I I just think they're just a trash team. Florida State's coming off a bye. They've kind of played with fire on the road, notably almost letting Boston College come back from the dead on them, Um, but we talked about this at the time. Florida State had Clemson on deck. They had a 21-point lead. They put it in cruise control with look-ahead to Clemson, um they obviously don't have look ahead now and they've they've had a week to lock in I think the knolls at home can put up a pretty crooked number on this rebuilding Virginia Tech squad I I I think Florida State's quietly still one of the the top four or five teams in the country and they're not quite getting the love that I feel like they should be getting um but I, I I think I'd much rather let Florida State call their number than say Virginia Tech can
0: hang with them I think that's the thing. I think this is a get-right spot for Florida State. You know, uh, a huge win at Clemson. You had a week to digest, but there were some things that they certainly needed to address based on that performance, and I think this is a spot you're going to face a a good team or a decent team in Syracuse next week. I think this is a good spot for them to get right, for them to work on some things, and I think they're going to have a lot of success against Virginia Tech who hasn't been able to really stop anybody.
1: Yeah, I don't have much more else on this game. It just—I'm probably not going to lay or uh, late or late twenty-three and a half points with Florida State, but there's no way I'm taking points uh, in, in playing the Hokies. All right, one of the big games of the week here: Alabama minus two and a half at Texas A&M. There is a lot of love for A&M in the market right now, and mm-hmm. I think maybe still some negative feelings about Alabama I think the Alabama hate kind of got out of control after the South Florida game but the offense has gotten going since then it turns out the Texas loss isn't as bad as people thought it was they're okay Uh, the O-line's improved as the season's gone on and on the other side the A&M loss to Miami looks better and better so and A&M they may have had one of the more fortunate quarterback injuries because Max Johnson just looks better but now we're asking him to play in a big spot against Alabama. Um, I I think this game really tests Milrow as a passer because I think A&M is going to do a good job taking away the run game. Uh, They're going to force him to beat him. I think it it becomes a struggle. I think this ends up being a tight game. I don't want to pick the side of a coin flick because I think that's what this is. I lean to Bama here just because I think there's been an overreaction about them, but I I could see Texas A&M winning this game, too. So it'll be a pass for me, just a, a lean to
0: the tide last time Alabama played at Kyle Field was two years ago when they lost that game yeah. to Texas A&M. So uh, revenge on their minds, even though they beat them last year. That was in Tuscaloosa, but a little unfinished business here for Nick Saban on the road. And and I, I like Alabama in this matchup. Uh, I would have a lean to them, a strong lean to them. I think Milrow has looked good over the past couple of weeks and this is still a team analytically that despite the loss to Texas is still ranked incredibly high. Number three in ESPN's football power in Index and just uh, efficiencies all across the board, offensively and defensively. I still think Alabama ha- is a, is one of the elite teams in college football, more so defensively than offensively. But I think Milrow's gotten it going and coming away with a win here at Texas A and M will be a huge momentum boost for them as they look to get back and, and, and well, not get back, but they look to you know claim the SEC West and maybe. Outside shot, not outside. I mean, they're in control. You win the SEC, you're going to the college wall playoff. Oh, no Alabama's doubt. got Alabama's got a legit shot. And and you want to talk about being disrespected in the market? It seems like everyone's just overlooked Alabama in terms of a national championship. And I know there's a lot of really good teams out there, but 25 to 1 on Alabama for a team that could just run their conference schedule, win the SEC, and be a one-loss team getting to the college wall playoff. Man, uh, I think there are worse bets you can make around the country. Yeah, I, I tend
1: to agree with you. Um, but a And M's good too. Like this, this isn't a pushover team. Offensively, they're they're so much better now. This, it's it's a totally different team than it's been mm-hmm. in the rest sure. of the Jimbo Fisher era. Uh, so it'll be a new a new look at mm-hmm. least that they're giving to Nick Saban. All right, let's go to the ACC again. Syracuse at North Carolina. The Tar Heels lay an eight at home. And I think what happened
0: to Syracuse last week was they, they just kind of got out-talented. Um, well, no, I think they just got in their own way. I mean, the penalties. The penalties were yeah. were out of control. The penalties and the turnovers. You know, Clemson scored 21 points off turnovers. It was kind of like the reverse script of what had happened with Clemson So far this season, right? Clemson was letting opponents score off of turnovers and Clemson, 21 of their 31 points came off turnovers last week against Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse marched right down the field on their opening drive. Schrader gets popped. Then he fumbles the football. Clemson then scores. Um, And then on the next possession, I think Schrader might've been a little concussed, but he, tries to pitch the ball to his running back and he tosses it over his head for <laughs> Clemson picks it up and then scores a touchdown so it was 14-7 and then you know they played very well defensively but they couldn't get off the field there was too many turnovers and too many uh, penalties and bad penalties that led to Clemson doing what they did in that game and yes the stats will show you that Clemson wound up dominating that football game but for a while I thought Syracuse actually played well but they were undisciplined and going on the road uh, is different than playing at home. We know that. And now you have to play a talented team like North Carolina with one of the elite quarterbacks in college football. You cannot be undisciplined. And one of the biggest things that we saw from Syracuse was their secondary creating penalties on the receivers. And I just don't think that that's a recipe for success against a quarterback like May who is going to make you pay down the field.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. I can't get to this number because it, my power ratings won't let me like I, I i just can't i can't get there on on power ratings and that's the only thing keeping me off of it and i i thought about why the number is what it is and it's probably the scheduling spot is just dreadful for Syracuse too they were against Clemson last week they've got mm-hmm. Florida State next week like this game is sandwiched in between the the two best teams in the conference i, I it It makes it hard to want to back Syracuse here, and North Carolina's defense has been so much better than I thought it was gonna be, like we all thought North Carolina was gonna to have to outscore everybody, but their defense has been pretty solid um and if you just look at the the schedules that they've played, we just talked about Syracuse playing Clemson, even though they've played Clemson their schedule their strength of schedule is nowhere close to what North Carolina's done mm-hmm. so it's it's hard for me to trust Syracuse here, even though the number says I should i yeah, the numbers yes. eight is I, a
0: lot these teams are a lot closer to each other in terms of analytically and home field does mean something, but it's just, I think Syracuse cannot play the way they played last week and compete in this game. All right, let's go out to the sec where we've got a matchup of
1: unbeatens in the sec East, the Kentucky wildcats plus 14 and a half at Georgia. Yeah. This Georgia team, we talked about at the beginning, it's not the, the same dominant force that it's been the last couple seasons, especially on the defensive side. Like, letting Auburn put up 20 points with JV kids playing quarterback, um, letting UAB put up 21, those are real concerns. And maybe you can only lose so many guys on D before it matters, and maybe that's where Georgia's at now. We always said, well, they're just going to reload. I, I don't know. And the offense hasn't been great either, whether it's – Stetson Bennett or Todd Monk in the blame. I, I don't know. But when teams can neutralize Brock Bowers, the offense is pretty stagnant. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know Beck can throw the ball a long way, but I mean, does he know where it's going? I don't really know. Uh, on the other side, Leary, uh, Leary still hasn't been all that great. I'm not totally sure he's healthy, but Ray Davis and the run game for Kentucky have been so good that it's, yep. it's covered it up. And I think Davis is going to find some success. I think he opens up some opportunities for Leary to hit a couple, a couple big throws. And if you give him a couple big throws, I think Kentucky can hang in this number. This feels like a juicy number. Um, I, I certainly, I, I don't know if I'm there yet. I certainly lean that way. But what I do know is, it, given Georgia's defensive flaws and the fact Kentucky hasn't seen a good offense this year. I think this is a high scoring game. Like, I, I like the total over 48 and a half more than I like either side in this game.
0: I like Kentucky in this matchup. I love the fact that you get a little extra hook, so you're catching north of two touchdowns. Um, They certainly can run the football. You mentioned Ray Davis. They're averaging 171 yards per game on the ground, but defensively, they're not allowing teams to run against them. And I know they haven't played that strong of a schedule, but that's still an impressive job by this defense against the run, and I think they're going to challenge Carson Beck to beat them in this game. And I, I, I think that, Leary can make enough plays. and The Kentucky defense will get a couple of stops. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think this is going to be a higher scoring game than people think, but I do think it's going to be a closer game than people think, and, and I like the fact that you're getting a little bit north of the two touchdowns. I like Kentucky here because Georgia has shown flaws this season. They are not the same team that we saw the past couple of seasons.
1: Like, where would it grade as a, a shock factor if Kentucky won this game?
0: It wouldn't. It would only just because of the number. Just because you're like we'd say, oh, a a half point dog. Yes, yes. That's the only reason why, and the fact that it's at Georgia, it's between the hedges. Yeah. I, I look at I look at Kentucky, and you know they're the they're clearly the number two team in the SEC East. And if they played in a different conference, we'd be talking about this team a lot differently than than the way that they're being talked about right now.
1: All right, let's go to another conference. We'll hit the Big Ten here. Michigan, minus 19 at Minnesota, total of 46. And this is the second straight road game for Michigan, but that is probably the only concern I have about them. I think they've <laughs> found something.
0: Can we applaud Michigan for a second? Because they finally covered a football game.
1: Yeah, I, I think they found something against corn against in a game that they only punted once. Mm-hmm. That looked like the Michigan offense from a year ago. And maybe there is something to Harbaugh returning, having his fingerprints back on the offense. But, yep. And, and Minnesota also has a question mark around Darius Taylor. He didn't play last week against Louisiana with a leg injury. He's basically been their entire offense this season. He's second nationally, 133 rushing yards per game. But then, even if he is healthy, you've got to add in that Michigan's top 10 in rushing yards allowed, that may be the mm-hmm. best run defense in the country. I, I don't know where Minnesota is going to get their offense from. They faced uh, another top 10 level run defense early in the season in Nebraska, and they got 250 yards of offense and put up 13 points. 13 points ain't going to cut it against Michigan. Uh, I, I think Michigan puts it to these guys. I, I could see Michigan covering another another number here.
0: Yeah, they'd be the only way I'd look in this game is laying the points with Michigan. You're right. Last week was impressive um, as they put up a huge number at Nebraska. There's no look ahead spots. You're playing Indiana. The, the, the bulk of their schedule, the hardest part of their schedule is, is yet to come. So they're fine. And yes, Harbaugh being back and having his you know imprint on the game completely change things and I think this Michigan team is rolling no one's going to stop them not even Minnesota not on the road I'm not worried about a thing this is a Michigan big win
1: all right let's go to Notre Dame minus six and a half on the road uh, at Louisville Louisville's winning a lot of games I'm still not really sure how good they are Uh, they've played four power five opponents but generally their schedule's been kind of weak Boston College, Indiana, Georgia Tech, NC State, no real killers there. Um, Notre Dame kind of snuck out with a win against Duke, but their offense <laughs> certain their offense certainly didn't look like they've got a Heisman contender at quarterback. Wow. Um, Louisville's going to score. <sighs> it, it, the question is, will Notre Dame keep up? I generally think they will. This seems like a lot of points considering the Ooh. spot for Notre Dame. They're coming off two emotional games, uh, a game that they almost won and a game that they almost lost and came back and went, there's got to be a let-up at some point. I'll probably wait to see if I get a seven, and maybe I'll, I'll take a shot with a seven, and I kind of lean to the over as well. But right now, if I, if I had to play this, it, it would be Louisville plus six and a half. What do you, what do you think? You've, you seem to have a better feel for Notre Dame as a, a good Catholic boy.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think Notre Dame's gonna. <laughs> I think Notre Dame's gonna score a ton in this game. Um, Louisville's allowing just way too many yards per game, and they Notre Dame's gonna be able to move the football. This is quite the different defense that Notre Dame uh, from the past two games. Looking at um, you know, Ohio State and then Mike Elko's defense last week uh, with Duke. I think that Sam Hartman's gonna have. It's gonna be like a sigh of relief when he faces this defense. So look for Notre Dame to put up a, a ton of points in this game. I would lean towards the over like you, um, but I like the Irish to cover on the road, and I would go with the Notre Dame team total as well. Louisville's defense is not going to be able to stop them.
1: All right, let's look at the another SEC West game, Arkansas. Plus 11.5 at Ole Miss. Total here, 62.5. Arkansas has been solid on offense. Uh, getting back Rocket Sanders is huge after missing three games. The only question for them, it seems like week in and week out, is can they pr- protect K.J. Jefferson? And if they can, Ole Miss is very vulnerable in the secondary. We saw it last week against LSU. They got kind of shredded. Um, that said, Ole Miss is going to find their points as well. Um, they they shredded LSU's secondary, and there should be plenty more for Jackson Dart and company here. And typically, Arkansas plays slow, Uh, Under Dan Enos but against Ole Miss, you don't really have that option. Like you can't if you play slow, they're going to run away from you. You kind of that you Ole Miss sort of forces you to pay it play at their tempo, and if that happens, I think this coasts over the
0: total. Uh, I I I lean to Arkansas here. I I like the over. Last week's game against Texas A and M, Arkansas, the score was probably closer than the game actually was. They got. Demolished in the stats, and I don't see why this game is going to be any different. That was a home game against A and M. Now you got to go on the road to an Ole Miss team that's kind of feeling themselves after their win last week. This offense is going to be too much for them. I I just don't see them being able to contain Jackson Dart in this offense. I, the
1: difference is AM plays defense. Ole Miss doesn't. So they, I mean, I, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that they're going to stop Ole Miss. I don't think they will. Mm-hmm. I don't think Ole Miss handles them on offense the way that A&M was able to.
0: Oh, look at Arkansas' last couple of games, the, the the three straight losses, 38 points to BYU, 34 to LSU, 34 to A&M. Ole Miss is going to score 34 points in the first half. I, I don't disagree. I I like the over in this game more
1: than anything. So uh, I'll probably stay off of a side. Over 62.5 is going to be a play.
0: It's going It will be on my card, I can tell you that. All right, Ole uh, Miss, let me look at the team total for a minute here. It is over 37.5. That might be my best bet. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's go to the ACC. Yuck.
1: Georgia Tech plus 21 at Miami. I don't know what number you could get me to back Georgia Tech at here. Um, <laughs> they were coming off their biggest win of the season last, last week against uh-huh. Wake Forest. And they followed that up, losing by double digits to Bowling Green. Yeah. As 22 and a half point favorites. But Bowling Green's win total coming into the mm-hmm. season was three and a half. This isn't just a MAC team. This was like a bottom of the barrel MAC team. And they beat Georgia Tech by double digits.
0: All right, you ready for this? Yeah. College football teams since 2012, teams that lose a game as a favorite of 20 points or more, have followed that game up. By going 37 and 62 straight up, 33, 62, and 4 against the spread. That's 34.7% against the spread since 2012. We are fading Georgia Tech here. I, I think that's gotta be the move. Um, I mean, Miami's just wrecking everyone too. Like- and let me let me just repeat that for anybody who who didn't understand that. In college football since 2012, when you lose a game as a 20 point favorite or more the following week, you are 34.7 percent against the spread.
1: Yeah, that's just right. Those are good
0: numbers for, it, for the t- other team.
1: Yeah, for Miami and Tyler yes. Van Dyke looks like the Heisman contender. He was supposed to be last year and wasn't. Uh, the defense looks outstanding. In hindsight, the win over Texas A&M looks really good. Like this is a really good team. Um my only concern with Miami and maybe the numbers you just gave me, give me enough to forget about it. They've got North Carolina and Clemson coming up, but there's, I wouldn't play Georgia tech with your money. Like it's just, (laughs) I can't imagine going to the window, going to the window and saying, I'll give you my money. You give me a ticket that says Georgia tech. No, thanks. All right, let's go to the mountain West. Fresno State minus six at Wyoming, total of 46. Um, I think this is going to be a run-heavy game, which worries me a little for Wyoming, who suddenly can't seem to stop the run. But it's hard to tell what Fresno is because they've played literally no one. They played Nevada, yeah. Kent State, sure, Arizona State with a walk-on freshman quarterback, and FCS Eastern Washington. I mean, they... they where was the test? Um, Wyoming isn't going to light up the scoreboard, but I, I think this game's going to have a lot of drawn, drawn out, long, grimy possessions. Fresno's offense isn't what it's been the last few years. I, I, lean,
0: I lean to the home dog, but I, I like the under if I had to play something in this game. I don't know. I think Mikey Keene's been incredible this season. And, you know, I, I think if Gus Malzahn could have him back, he would. Um, and, and the way that he's playing, it kind of makes you wonder, is it the quarterback or is it Jeff Tedford's uh, system? You know, Jake Hayner looked great, and he was fantastic at Fresno State. Mikey Keene's thrown for 1,474 yards, 14 touchdowns, and four picks. You know, it, it's Jake Hayner's Against offense once again. Again, I understand two. that. And yes, he's played Nevada. He's played nobody. He's played uh, what was, yeah, yeah, Eastern Washington, Kent State. Yes, nobody. Uh, but still, those are like Nevada and numbers. Kent State are legit. Two of the bottom five teams in the country. Yep.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, it's uh, crazy that they haven't had even a test. And the one test they should have had Arizona State. Mm-hmm. They just happened to catch them when their top three quarterbacks were injured. It's just uh, it feels like this Fresno State team is overrated. Uh, I, I wasn't super high on them coming into the year. I, it, again, I th- I just think it's hard to know what they are right now. So like, if you had told me at the beginning of the year, they were going to be laying six at Wyoming, I would have said, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you're right. They, what they've done so far is, is good, but I, I'm, I'm not in a tough place to play too. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a hell of a road trip. I, I, it's Wyoming or nothing for me. I, okay. Maybe they prove me wrong. Maybe Fresno State goes out and chucks it around in Laramie, and I, I look like an idiot. Hmm. But uh, I, I think both these offenses get held down because this is the first first good defense Wyoming scenes. I mean, again, I don't know what this offense is for Fresno. I I, I really don't um, because they they haven't seen anybody. But uh, yeah, it, under would be the, the only way I'd look here. Uh, last, oh, we got two more, two more, uh, top 25 games. Let's go to Oregon State minus nine and a half at Cal. Uh, just want to preface this by saying, Fuck Cal. Um, <laughs> no, they, uh, listen, uh, Cal f- was very frustrating last week. And, you know, they, they, uh, I, I, I don't know what to say. I, like, I'm not making excuses. It ended up being a bad handicap. They, they, they just didn't get the job done. And I think against a team like Oregon State where, you know, shutting down the pass on third down like they did last week isn't going to matter because Oregon State's, they're never in third and long situations. Mm-hmm. They just never find themselves there because it's run, run, and then they're like third and three. So you, you can't just play the pass when, like it's third and seven. And if, you ha- if you're not sure what they're doing, they're going to beat you. Cal's a mediocre run defense, which I, I think it means that it, it could get ugly for them. On the other side, Ben Finley still injured. So the game plan, the game plan for Cal is likely to just feed Jay Knott as much as possible, which also makes a tough matchup for, for them because Oregon State allows 2.4 yards per carry, sixth nationally against the run. They're going to run. Cal can't stop the run. Cal can't pass. And Oregon State is dominant against the run.
0: I like Oregon state, anything under 10 here. That's the thing. Oregon state's so great against the run that I just don't know if California is going to score in this game. So I I like Oregon state. I would lean towards the under as well. The only fear that I have is if Oregon state puts up a big number.
1: Yeah. But I mean, again, Oregon, I mean, you know, both teams are going to run. So the clock's Mm going to move. I mean, that's, that's the thing that's in your, in your, uh, to your benefit. All right. One last, uh, top 25 game before we hit the best bets, Arizona plus 21 and a half at USC total is 72. And we mentioned USC showing that the defense is hard to trust when it comes mm-hmm. to covering these mega spreads. I think you can make a similar case here for Arizona, who ended up making things uncomfortable for Washington last week. I went in wanting to take this over. I was like, I was certain I was going to take the over. But now we've got a murky quarterback situation for Arizona. Arizona. Uh Jaden Delora didn't practice yesterday, so it makes it tough to know if he's gonna play. And then I started looking in Arizona's four and one to the under, USC's four and one to the over. Uh if Dolora plays, I probably will take a shot on the over if he's announced in or he starts practicing maybe. For now, it's it's probably a stay away, but I, I can't lay this big of a number with USC right now.
0: Well, especially with USC having Notre Dame on deck. And I think that it's a you know. USC is probably going to take it easy. They're going to have the foot off the gas pedal much like Washington kind of did late in that game. I and mean, Washington allowing Arizona to score at the end, it didn't even matter, but they, it was they were up double digits and they were just like whatever, the game's over. I think USC treats this the same way. This could be a get out of dodge type situation where they, you know, Caleb Williams does his thing, they put up the big number early and then they just cruise because they got to focus on the Notre Dame game coming up. All right, let's let's uh, let's get into best bets. Before we do, though, Scott, tell the people how they
1: can save some money at pregame.com.
0: Yeah, you use our promo code RIVALRY15, and what that promo code is going to do is get you $15, not 15%. $15 off of anything at pregame.com. Look, a lot of most most daily best bets are $25. So basically, you can get a three-star best bet for $10 or take $15 off a weekender package. Take $15 off anything at pregame.com. Just use the promo code RIVALRY15. All right, let's get into best bets. You go ahead and take the lead.
1: What's your first one?
0: I'm going to go with Missouri. Home dogs catching six and a half against LSU. Here's a couple of trends as it relates to this matchup. We have two ranked teams playing each other. And since 2017, whenever you have two ranked teams playing each other, the home teams are 60% against the spread. Now, if you go even you know further into that, when that home team is actually ranked better, Then the team that they are playing, and in this case they are Mizzou is number 21, LSU is number 23. Well, then the home team is covering 64.4 percent since 2017. And now we gotta even go further when that better ranked home team is the spread within single digits, and this one is single digits because it is a six and a half point spread. Well, that home team is then covering. At 72.7%, 40, 15, and two against the spread since 2017. We talked about this a little bit earlier. LSU's defense, very, very concerning, allowing 55 points to all Miss, and now it's a second straight road game going to Mizzou, a team that is playing with a ton of confidence, undefeated on the season. Yeah, you want to talk about the long field goal? I'm I'm over that. That game was that game was a couple of weeks ago. This team is playing with confidence right now at home. I think that the crowd is in their favor. I think the opportunity is right there in front of them. It's an early start on the road for LSU. I like Mizzou in this one catching the points.
1: I, I'm with you on this. Um, just just to put in a – like, I get it. Ole Miss, pretty good offense. So is Florida State. So letting them rack up points on you isn't a shame. But Grambling put up 300 yards against his defense. Arkansas put up 300 yards without Rocket Sanders – this is an objectively bad defense. It's not like, oh, they're, they're a little bit, it's, it's, it's not great. No, it's bad. Um, and they're 128th in passing success rate allowed. That's
0: out of yep. 133 teams. Like, that's Akron-esque. Like, they're, a, they're 107th in total defense. I mean, they're 31 points per game, five yards per pass attempt. hundred. You know, it, it's just the stats are just completely concerning
1: with LSU. Brady Cook's been solid at quarterback for Mizzou. Uh he's arguably got the top receiver in the country and Luther Burden the third. All that said, is gonna score two. Uh, mm-hmm. they're 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 maybe wasting a, a Heisman candidate year for Jaden Daniels because their defense is too too bad to let him win some games. Um, and they've run the ball well, though that's gonna be tough against this Missouri front. It, but the back end of the defense is gettable. This is by far the best passing attack Mizzou will have seen. The over is probably my favorite look, but I also I want to back Mizzou catching nearly a touchdown here. I think this game should be more like three, yep. uh, so I, I do feel
0: like there's a nice edge for Missouri. But I, I like this to go well over sixty four and a half. I, I mean, yeah, it, I'm taking the points at the Tigers. I'm taking the well, the Missouri Tigers, not the LSU Tigers. But I'm going Mizzou at home. I'm taking the points.
1: All right, my first best bet is going to be the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns. There we go. The Texas State hype train. It's out of control, friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are Louisiana's minus one, by the way, at home against Texas State. And TJ Finley's done a good job running that Texas State offense, but we have to consider who they've been going up against. Again, Nevada, Southern Miss. They're both in the discussion for, like, bottom five pass defenses in the country. What the Cajuns do well is they stop the pass. They're just outside the top 30 in EPA per pass allowed. The secondary grades just outside the top 30 in PFF. Like, they match up really well against a team that doesn't want to run the ball. On the other side, Louisiana, when they lost Ben Woldridge, they basically became a running team because Zion Chris is a, he's a dual threat guy, but he's most dangerous with his legs. They're averaging six and a half yards per carry. They, they're just outside the top 10 in EPA per rush. Guess what this Texas state team struggles with on defense? You guessed it. The run mm-hmm. 95th in EPA per rush allowed, despite playing a schedule of poor running teams. Cajuns were five and ATS as home favorites last year. I think they get another one here. Uh, I, I, I think this, this should be at least a field goal. Uh, so give, give me the raging Cajuns of Louisiana, just laying a single point at home.
0: Yeah, I like that. I have this game a lot more than a point, so uh, I, I would co-sign this play on Louisiana. All right, AJ, I think you and I are going to go head to head here because All right. my best bet is bright and early. It's the Red River rivalry, and if people listening to this podcast are probably they they know it already. If I said AJ and I go to head to head, that means that I'm on Oklahoma and he's going to be on Texas. I'm going to take the points with the Sooners in this matchup. I, for, I, I, you could talk about last year all you want. Throw it out. Dylan Gabriel didn't play. This is a yep. different Oklahoma team. I don't care about last year. I don't care about the blowout. What I do care about is that traditionally this game is pretty funky and could come down to the wire. I think this might come down to whichever team has the football last, if we're being honest. And if you told me that Texas was catching six and a, six and a half points, I would take Texas in this spot. So the fact that you're giving me six and a half points and if the public comes in and bets Texas and I can get a seven, that would be great. But I'm going to take the points here with Oklahoma. Dylan Gabriel completing over 75% of his passes this year. He's throwing 15 touchdowns, only two picks. And we know uh, this offense is legit. Defensively, Brent Venables is going to throw all kinds of blitzes at, at Quinn Ewers and they are thir- uh, tenth in third down defense, eighth in the country in tackles per lo- for loss per game, eight point four tackles for loss per game. Which means if they can get in the backfield, they're going to create some havoc offensively. Dylan Gabriel, I mentioned they're third. Uh, excuse me, sixth in the country. Oklahoma is in third down offense and. This is a revenge spot because of the blowout last year. And so we look at the, the data here and the trend line shows us that since 2016, when you are playing with revenge on a neutral field. So this is a neutral field game. This is like this is a trend that applies for like the big games on neutral fields. Right neutral cocktail field. party yeah yeah exactly those that that you know when when it's uh when they play in, uh, in in the carolina or they play you're right in jacksonville any of these you play in jerry's world you play in the cotton Bowl. these neutral site games right when you are an underdog playing with revenge since 2016 40 and 25 against the spread that's 61.5 percent I love the dog in this matchup. This is going to be a high intensity game and I'm going to take the points with Oklahoma. Yeah. I I bet Texas at the open at minus
1: five and a half. I was almost sure it was going to be seven before I blinked and it Mm -hmm. actually dropped to five for a minute. And then it jumped up here to six and a half. I'm not sure there's a market consensus. um, And, you know, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm not as maybe, maybe I'm higher on this Texas team than most, I think they've got an argument to be the best team in the country, at least on what they've sure, done so sure, far this season. Sure. They, they've got a better win than anyone in the country. Uh, they, and then they handled their business in their first two road games. People talked about Baylor and Kansas as kind of trap spots, but they just went out and played the same way they have played all year. And yours, all whatever the changes that he talked about making in the offseason, like losing weight, cutting his hair, taking things seriously, it's worked. He's clearly more focused. He's clearly more poised. OU is going to get after him defensively. That's what Venables does. He is going to send pressure, but you know what? He's going to have to make some quick decisions, and that worked against Alabama. Uh, Oklahoma's D is super reliant on havoc and turnovers. Yes, and and Texas is just not giving it away this season. Mm-hmm. Um, Dylan Gabriel, you're right; he's been solid, uh, but they've they've actually most of Oklahoma's success has been running the ball, setting up running the ball. I don't know that you're running against this Texas front. That to me. You mentioned last year's game and like one of the one of the big differences from last year's game is Texas is so much better in the trenches than they were a year ago. And they were already better than Oklahoma there a year ago. It's funny. You say like we looked at I think you can look at the Dylan Gabriel not playing thing in two ways. You can say, well, they beat him 49 to nothing, but Dylan Gabriel didn't play. Or you can say Dylan Gabriel's never played in this game. Mm -hmm. And with that comes a certain amount of pressure that like, if you think, you
0: know what it's going to be like, you don't, it it is different than any game. These guys play ever. I don't Um, know. The bounce house gets pretty loud and he's got a ton of experience in the bounce house.
1: Yeah. But the bounce house is never half full of the opposing fans. Uh, (laughs) That's the difference. And it is, it's a, it is a wild environment. I've been to, I don't know, 15 of these things. It's a wild environment, man. It really, it's unlike any other game I've ever been to.
0: Um, I think uh, if you the, the thing if you take away the names of these teams and just looked at them statistically and analytically, Oklahoma would be favored in this game. Oklahoma but I think the problem high. is you're, you're looking you at you got to look at strength of schedule as well. I understand that. I understand, but 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 analytically, Oklahoma ranks higher. Oklahoma and they're very close to each other. I'm not saying that this is like uh, overwhelming. I'm saying like Oklahoma's ranked probably top two or one two, and Texas is four. If you look at everybody's, you know, analytic power rankings and whatnot, but Oklahoma up Texas is, you know, yours is a Heisman candidate and they're, they're just, they're a machine right now. And I think that they rightfully deserve to be favored. I just don't think it should be this much. I really don't. This, this is a very, very competitive game. I think between two of the top teams in the country.
1: All right, we'll find out on Saturday. That'll be a fun one early morning, wake up, have some breakfast and, uh,
0: and I assume we get, I assume we get Gus Johnson and, and Joel Klatt, right? Oh, no, it's an so. ABC. No, no, oh, it is AD on ABC. Game. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh man. I was looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. What's the, what's the Fox Big Noon kickoff this week then? Oh, Maryland, Ohio State. Yuck.
1: Yeah. No,
0: thanks. Yeah. All right. All right, all right. Uh, I'm going to go to the Big Ten
1: for my next best bet. And speaking of yuck, I'm going to lay points with Iowa. Iowa minus two and a half. No, Cade McNamara. And you know what? That is essentially my handicap. I okay. think this number is just wrong. I, first of all, I get that it's not fun to bet on Iowa. The mm-hmm. offense is dreadful, I, especially laying a point laying points with them. It's not fun. The market has downgraded Iowa for this quarterback change to Deacon Hill from Cade McNamara, and it's gone too far. It, like, mm-hmm. listen, I don't think Deacon Hill's great. He didn't look great last week but the version of Cade McNamara that we were seeing this year has not been healthy. I've said that on this show several times, like before he got hurt, I said he wasn't healthy. It was obvious. And now he's out. I don't think there's really much of a drop-off. And if there is a drop-off, it's certainly not as much as this number implies. My power ratings make this game five on a neutral. This game's at Iowa and it's two and a half. This version of Cade McNamara is not a seven point, player like it's 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 just a crazy thing and purdue let's let's talk about them for a second purdue sucks uh i (laughs) I know i everybody's excited they won against a game against illinois illinois is a joke Mm -hmm. uh was on his way out and this iowa defense is gonna they're they're still strong i don't see hudson card being able to throw it around on them Iowa's going to score with their defense and special teams that's what they do they're going to put the offense in in good position to at least chip field goals in, and again, I just can't, my power rating, I I cannot get to this adjustment on the quarterback. So, getting shut out by Penn State—that's what most people think about when they think of Iowa. I get it. Purdue's far from Penn State. Uh, th- this number is just wrong. So, I, I'll be sweating uh, Iowa to score at least three points uh, and win three to nothing on Saturday.
0: Uh, I like the fact that Iowa this season is one of the least penalized teams in college football. So they're playing extremely disciplined football. You know they're not going to shoot themselves in the foot when it comes down to a key moment in the game. So um, I-, I worry about Deacon Hill. But if if you think it's an upgrade from Cade McNamara, maybe I'm not saying it's, it's an, an upgrade. upgrade. I'm saying sometimes sometimes the team rallies around a backup quarterback. They everybody knows they have to step up their level of play a little bit. And maybe that's what you're gonna see from Iowa that they don't want this season to be lost. So they're all gonna have to step up and rally around this kid. And
1: Deacon Hill can run a little bit, which is is interesting. It at least gives them some more options on offense. Again, I I'm not saying he's good. I don't think he's good. I just don't Mm -hmm. think he's a touchdown worse than like I mean. It, it, what what would this number have been if McNamara played? Like, I, I don't know what they're trying to tell us here. Would it have been seven and a half, eight points?
0: It's uh, just probably, probably no, probably yeah, probably
1: Iowa six and a half, Iowa seven uh, maybe. I, I think at least seven, uh, but I, yeah, but I don't know. I, I I just can't. I I think the adjustment is just way too much. So okay. maybe I'm wrong. And again, Deacon Hill, I've seen him one game. I, I I'm not. I'm not pretending like I, I watched him play in high school. I, I don't know what he is really. Just what I saw of him last week is not too far off of what Cade McNamara was out there playing at like 65%. So mm-hmm. uh, it's, a, it's an easy fade of, of that move for me. All right. That is going to do it for another episode of the pregame.com college football preview. Uh, we appreciate you guys riding with us. As always, we'll tweet out our card for the contest. Uh, hopefully get back on track, man. Uh, it was, it felt good. We had that, that big week and we're like, Oh, if we can just follow it up with another big one, we're like at the top of the heap and we followed it up with two duds. So now we got to scrap back up again. So, um, that is the plan for this week. Hopefully we'll have some good numbers on these games that we're already talking about. Uh, but uh, we've, we've tried really hard to not be slaves to line moves. Um, that killed us last year in the contest. We're like, Oh, we got to get the,
0: the CLV. And, mm. um, you know what? we, we've had two, we've had two losses already by a hook. So maybe we should be victims to the line. I think we had more than
1: two, to be honest. I think we had yeah. two last week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so very frustrating, but th- that's part of the game. Uh, but we'll try and get it back on track this week. We appreciate you guys listening and we will talk to you next week.